Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for September 10th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, How Then Shall We Live? I can only imagine that there are many people today who, if they were listening in on this hour from the outside, would look at what is happening in the world, all of the storms that are brewing around us. They would listen to this text about painting blood on the doors and the Passover and would think, what utter foolishness you people are talking about. What does that have to do with anything relevant to the world today? I hope that I can help you see what that kind of foolishness offers to our kind of world. What this kind of story offers to a 21st century world and how we might learn from a story that's 2,500 years old. I had not yet established television service at our new house, you know, the country house. So I was on the phone recently with a nice operator with AT&T. During one long pause, as we both waited on the little magic man behind the curtain to put together a unique offer, this best price is only for the deans of of, uh, Springhouse Lane, the operator, just making chit-chat as we were waiting, or maybe hoping to earn a convert, said to me, so is that Irma coming your way? And what about all these storms? I don't know if you're spiritual or not. (laughs) And she kind of paused for my non-response, which made me slightly cringe just a moment later when I had to spell out Park Road Baptist and give her my email address. But she was a talker, so she didn't seem to mind my moment of hesitation when I didn't answer whether I was spiritual or not. It didn't deter her. It'll make you think, she said. You know, all those big old storms, if you've read the book of Revelations, it's all I could do not to just shout. It was just one revelation. but I I bit my tongue, and I did say, I I wonder if you've ever thought that maybe was there ever a time in human history that was free from storms and hurricanes, ever a time when people would not have looked all around them and looked at the revelations in Revelation and said, you know, this storm and this war and these troubles, Revelations is talking about us. I did say that to her. But she didn't buy it, you know. I guess my liberal biblical hermeneutic combining reason and a little historical perspective is not as sensational a sell to customers buying bundled phone packages. And what would we do if we didn't have some new impending apocalypse to worry about? 
She's probably at Sunday school this morning sharing how sad it is that she talks to so many people every day who are blinded by Satan who can't just see the prophecies of revelations even when they're as big as a Category 5 hurricane. And some of those people even work for Baptist churches. If you are of her mind, though, there are plenty of signs of the times, aren't there? I think often of my evangelical counterparts who are literally soul sick in their angst and worry about the secularism that is exploding around us, deceiving believers, greasing the highway to hell, hastening our doom. Regardless your spiritual or theological bent, there is cause for anxiety in these difficult days, isn't there? This moment in history is rife with tensions, but this is not the apocalypse. Most of the anxiety which manifests itself in the divisions of our so-called culture war and finds expression in explosions of hatred and anger and violence of many kinds. Most of this existential anger is a result of simple demographic change. It's just the numbers, Tom. It's just about numbers. In short, white Protestant Christian men no longer have a monopoly on power. That's what it's about. We are no longer a majority Protestant nation. The data is clear. In a few short years, white people will be a minority in the United States. While women still make only 70 cents on the dollar to their male counterparts, women have stepped up to take powerful leading roles that only a few years ago were reserved for members of the men's only club. There are foundational changes happening to us as a people and the mathematical precision of a nation steadily becoming the land of free religion and free opportunity, claiming the liberty and justice for all, that liberty that our forebears promised, becoming what they dreamed for us. This reality is the cause of most of the troubling unrest we sense. Now, since I work with a lot of those blessed creatures we call senior adults, I think often of the change they have seen in their lifetime. I'm not an historian, but I cannot imagine that many generations have known more change than our octogenarians, nonagenarians have known in their lives. Some of you, perhaps, sitting here today, were born in homes with no running water, no electricity. We all know people, live with people, work with people, go to church with people who were born in homes with no water, no electricity, no Google. The cultural change born in the scientific revolution began toddling with the industrial revolution hit the turbulent adolescent years with the sexual revolution. And as a young adult, we are stumbling to find our purpose to settle and center as a nation with the dizzying opportunities of the technological revolution. 
Can you imagine the change that has come over this country in the last hundred years? In my short lifetime, short being a relative word, in my short lifetime, the nation has seen civil rights and women's lib and Roe versus Wade, gay pride and gay marriage, and an introduction to the language of gender identity and gender expression. We have watched the creation of the European Union, and with the fears of a rising globalism and the mounting tensions of religious extremism, just a few short years later saw Britain retreat into the perceived safety of a myopic theology, Britain only first. Two of the largest hurricanes ever recorded in human history, striking within weeks of each other, beg our generation to consider the change we humans may be bringing to the nature of nature itself. And with the election of the most controversial leader in living memory, we have seen an explosion of protests around the globe based on gender and racial and economic concerns, and we have just watched our, on our own portable screens the unbelievable, unbearable sights of neo-Nazis and white supremacists marching in our own streets shouting xenophobic and bigoted cries of war. That's just in my lifetime. It's enough to turn some people to the book of Revelation. I do understand, but maybe we should turn instead to the story and example of our Jewish forebears. In a moment when the world seemed to be crashing down on them, when the oppression of the Pharaoh and the weight of a foreign land, a foreign hand, had reached a breaking point, a leader of unique vision and courage stepped forward to lead the people out of their bondage. And in that moment, on the strength of forward-thinking leadership, a people honed their religion on the tools of rhythm and ritual and found the peace that has made them the great nation God promised. In difficult days, someone generally offers up the conventional wisdom. I hear it very often. Extreme times calls for extreme measures. Maybe that's the shorthand version of what we are seeing across this country today. People reaching for extreme measures, extreme leaders, extreme answers. Years ago I was schooled in a different wisdom that says extreme times call not for extreme measures but for steady measures, consistent measures. Measures based on the wisdom of lived experience. Every time some national or international cataclysm hits the headlines, I know that I can count on getting a letter from our financial advisor. His letter always includes a little creative story or a historical anecdote as the introduction, but the message is always the same. What should I do with my money in a time like this? Hold fast. He says people are always wanting to react to cataclysmic moments. You know, sell now, the sky is falling. 
but he likes to put things in historical perspective. Major changes have never had significant long-term impact on financial markets. I got a letter just last week. While his is a completely commercial venture steeped in the materialism and excess of our financial success, there is deep spiritual wisdom here. Extreme times call for us to hold fast. Stay in the market. Stay involved. Hold fast. In their moment of crisis, Instead of creating some new fanatic religion based on apocalyptic fears, instead of fleeing to the mountains, holding up in some cave, stocking up on supplies for the impending doom, our Jewish forebears sought the wisdom of the rhythm which God built into this world. For six days God worked, but the seventh day was a Sabbath. The Jews understood and understand the need for rest from work. Our unfortunately named smartphones betray that need, erasing the cycle of day and night, the cycle of week and weekend, the seasons of work and play. How many of you took your cell phone with you on vacation this year and never got away from it? The whole week. On difficult days, we would do well to lean back into the rhythm of life. And yes, your church discipline can be a very important part of that rhythm. And after the night of Passover flight, the Jews created a means of reenacting the story of liberation with a plate full of symbolic food and a litany that corresponds to that plate of food, they remember the story each year with the Seder meal. And in reliving that story by eating that plate of food hurriedly, they find themselves again in a narrative of oppression and liberation. It's ritual. It's story. It calls us to know what is happening in our own lives, connects with that story. Oppression and liberation. What binds you today? What Pharaoh is beating you down, stealing your happiness? What fears are taking your peace? And do you really want to be free? Are you really prepared for the responsibility that true liberation brings? The rituals of religious practice framed in a rhythm that resonates with the seasons of our lives serve to sustain our Hebrew ancestors and nothing has changed in 2,500 years about the mystery and the miracle of rhythm and ritual. Why Sabbath? Because rest is still necessary for healthy bodies holistic lives. Why Sunday worship? Because Sunday is a reminder of Jesus' resurrection on the first day of the week and the new life that God promises to all. Why baptism, which we practiced a couple of weeks ago? 
Because it's a symbolic reminder that all of us need cleansing. All of us need those moments to start anew. Why communion? It's a symbolic reminder of Jesus' call for all of us to live sacrificially. Why Trinity, which we sang about, read about in our opening litany? Because we have to use some words to speak of the indescribable God. We might as well use words that represent the most important and most powerful experience we can know, which is life lived in community. Why marriage? One of the sacraments of the church. Because commitment is worthy of recognizing formally, publicly. Why confession? Because honest reflection is good for every soul. Why an offertory? Because faith that is divorced from giving is no faith at all. And giving that is divorced from the possessions of this world is not really giving. Why the liturgical seasons of Advent and Lent and Easter and ordinary time? Because the earth has its seasons and life needs rhythm to thrive. These are just a few of the rituals of Christian practice. Each has its reasons and its resonance with our daily lives. In the midst of the storms that brew around us, Irma, all the political storms, all the economic storms, how then will you live? We can live fearfully, and we can run from church as some antiquated pastime devoted to a superstitious pre-scientific people, or we can dig into the rhythm and the ritual that a religious life offers us, the benefits that it brings, maybe especially to 21st century people. Jesus, living the wisdom of his Jewish heritage, is our example. It is an example our world desperately needs. May we live it today. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.